Get ready to rumble. Shilling Show Unleashed on the Seven Thunders Media Network. Former city councilor, husband, father, and community watchdog. Your host, Rob Schilling. Welcome to the Schilling Show Unleashed podcast. Remember, your direct support makes our show possible, and you can directly support this podcast by visiting shillingshow.com and then clicking on the Patreon banner at the top of the page to make a monthly contribution. We appreciate your support. The Schilling Show Unleashed podcast welcomes Dr. George Freed, MD, a medical professional frontline physician and a co-author of the book, Overcoming the COVID Darkness, How Two Doctors Successfully Treated 7,000 Patients. It's an amazing story. And Dr. George Freed, thank you for joining us today on the Schilling Show Unleashed podcast. Thank you very much, Rob. It's a real privilege and honor to join you on your show. I'd love to hear about your first reactions when you first became aware of COVID and how you reacted initially. Well, we reacted, myself and I'm speaking for my partner, Brian Tyson, the co-author of the book, we um, were wary of of the virus outbreak in China and and what was coming out of that um, part of the world. Uh, We uh, hope for the best. We're optimists and we don't expect a pandemic to unfold. So we we were just uh, watching with uh, bated breath, basically, and and uh, using the knowledge that we had we had together to try to prepare for any eventuality. But we never expected the um, magnitude of what was to unfold, and that was back in at the beginning of 2020 in in January and February. Uh, and so we uh, innocently were accepting. Fauci and the other, uh, our leaders, so to speak, in the United States and uh, the WHO and their and their and what they stated to the public that we were going to be fine. It's one thing to be a physician in your position and trying to figure all of this out, but you also had interactions with patients, and that's where it gets real because you've got to be able to tell them something. So tell us about the interactions with the patients in the early days and how you handled that. We. We're on the front line. I, I'm a, uh, an old timer, basically. <laughs> I, I've been around for 52 or three years in medicine in different capacities and 31 or 32 years here in this uh, rural part of California, the southeastern part called the Imperial Valley. We were just out there t- dealing with um, the surge of patients and we became the epicenter for California in March of 2020. And so we we, we were just going to do what uh, was going to help our patients, our citizens in our rural area, so they wouldn't deteriorate and they would recover quickly if we if we came up with the right treatment approach. Uh, it, it was we didn't have much time to think, quite frankly. We just uh, uh, had researched what uh, could be helpful, uh, and there's a body of evidence uh, and literature on this product, medication hydroxychloroquine 
that uh, suggested that would be the best agent to provide in a, in a cocktail, in a combination of, medica- of agents, nutraceuticals and other prescribed medications that would um, suppress its replication. When I came down to the Imperial Valley 31 or 32 years ago, we were in the um, early stages of the HIV epidemic Mm -hmm. and people were succumbing right and left. And I set up our HIV program for this Imperial Valley and most doctors wouldn't see these patients since they weren't uh, trained in in that area of of medicine. And I, I just threw myself into it to um, help where there was a need. And I have continued with that actually up to this very date. I still see HIV patients uh, uh, two days a week, part of each of those two days. And um, they've done very well. But at that time, it it was challenging and, and depressing, very depressing. We felt somewhat like that at the inception, the beginning of the of our of the pandemic. Yeah, you, you mentioned hydroxychloroquine, and I heard you early on on Sean Hannity, uh, you and Dr. Brian Tyson, uh, getting national exposure and probably in other forms as well. And yet people were very hesitant, uh, at least the establishment was, to even take a look at what you were doing. How did you deal with that? We were shocked, quite frankly, Rob. It, it's, uh, I, as a doctor in medicine, I trained at Harvard Medical School. Uh, it was a great honor to go there. And then I was on the faculty at Harvard and UCLA for many years before going back into full-time clinical medicine. Uh, I found it very disillusioning. And even my colleagues, my, my uh, classmates were skeptical of when I would talk to them in, in forums about my, our, my, our experiences and the fact that this was a treatable illness. They, there was such a blacklisting and tarnishing and suppression of the truth uh, that it was uh, hard to believe. It still is baffling to me, quite frankly. But um, that's the situation where I uh, we still speak out. I, actually, I'm leaving tomorrow to go to Brazil, to Iguazu Falls, uh, for the uh, second International COVID-19 Congress of the Alliance for Doctors for Life that will be uh, starting on Thursday, June 30th. I'll be speaking on July 1st. And we go everywhere we can and we're invited because we've put ourselves on the international map because of what, what we did and what we continue to do. We, we're experts on COVID-19, world experts. And we saved and treated successfully now 12,000 patients, uh, mostly in this rural indigent population in the uh, in southeastern California that had become the epicenter, as I said, in March of 2020 for California for the COVID-19 pandemic. Our book, we put a lot of effort into that book. It wouldn't have come to pass if we hadn't seen success with our regimen and now with modifying and improving it and uh, other agents uh, are antiviral. The key to the whole pandemic was to treat early and knock the virus out before it spread. And these agencies and entities couldn't see that, couldn't accept that for what their purpose was, which was um, mass vaccination, uh, which I had hoped would have worked. 
Uh, it certainly hasn't and didn't. I took the vaccine at the beginning because I thought it might protect me. It didn't do that. So that's where we are. I, I won't stop talking about the criminality, I would call it, of, of agencies and individuals that led this world in the wrong direction. So I had my, my own experience, uh, Dr. Fareed, when uh, my doctor prescribed for my wife ivermectin uh, back in January, uh, which was filled by the pharmacy. When I went back to the pharmacy in July to get a refill, uh, the pharmacist absolutely refused. And uh, that culminated in about a three or four month battle with the pharmacy, which finally relented on, uh, on or about Halloween. So we, we didn't get what we needed when we needed it. We got it in other ways. But I, I couldn't believe that pharmacies and pharmacists themselves were jumping on this bandwagon. And I wonder what you observed in your own interactions with pharmacists and pharmacies. Well, we've observed exactly that, and that's what they did. These bad, bad people that they just totally disrespect uh, the these presumed experts who uh, who, uh, who dishonestly undermined ivermectin and and predicted hydroxychloroquine. Mm -hmm. uh, they did it uh, with falsification of data. Everyone is paid off, I think, in academia and in the um, agencies by Big Pharma or by other entities that have in, intended to see this uh, go in the wrong direction. And that's what it did. It went in, uh, what we would find is that they would do exactly that. We would uh, get pleas from people outside of our area because of the recognition that was obtained from what, what little we were doing. And in speaking out like this, like I'm doing with you today, the pharmacy would receive my prescription. I would fax it in usually, or even call it in as a voice message. And the patient wouldn't be given the medication because the FDA had not given the approval, the, the green light for ivermectin or, or and hydroxychloroquine. And then even though the, the tarnishing of hydroxychloroquine had come from, I, I trained at Harvard in this cardiologist from Harvard, undoubtedly paid off, uh, highly conflicted, mm. very, very esteemed guy who, uh, and most of these people who are naysayers don't treat COVID-19 patients. They, they just pontificate from their uh, various perches. But he, uh, Mayra, published the article in, in Lancet that was based upon falsified information <clears throat> that um, that said H hydroxychloroquine was cardiotoxic and not effective. Mm -hmm. They retracted the data, the, the paper, but the genie was out of the bottle and Lancet said uh, it was dangerous and not effective. And that's what lingered on. And that, that allowed the FDA to, to say, don't use it as an outpatient and only use it under restricted circumstances as an inpatient. Uh, that's what I would find. Uh, uh, we would have have to search for uh, enlightened pharmacists who would, uh, in the area that the patient was living, would prescribe, uh, would dispense the medication and not question it. And there, even though there was a growing body of uh, knowledge, of information and evidence of efficacy of both, particularly hydroxychloroquine, but also ivermectin and and other repurposed medications like. Fluvoxamine and, and 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 quite a few others. There's a website called uh, c19early.com. 
c19early.com, and that that's, uh, provides a great deal of good information for what is very helpful for people when treating early. And that was the key, that was the, and that still is the solution to the pandemic and to the, the COVID-19 infection. It, it's to treat early and prevent the bad things happening that occur later in the infection after seven to 10 days of viral infection. The Shilling Show Unleashed podcast continues with Dr. George Freed in just a moment. Associated Press award-winning journalist, Rob Schilling. Borderhawk.news is a one-stop shop with the latest news about immigration, nationalism, and globalism. The Borderhawk staff daily curates immigration news stories and, in the fashion of the Drudge Report, updates the site with cutting-edge content and original first-class commentary. Borderhawk.news highlights national and international media reports, tweets and nuggets buried in local news blurbs, polls, video clips, and policy research. Borderhawk is pro-legal immigration, pro-rule of law, but against an unsecure border as countless Americans have suffered violence at the hands of criminal illegal aliens. And an increasing number of Americans are concerned about how mass migration affects their daily life. Borderhawk.news will remain on the forefront of the immigration issue with a buffet of info to read, evaluate, and share. Bookmark Borderhawk.news. Add them on social media at News on Twitter. We continue on the Shilling Show Unleashed podcast. Our guest, Dr. George Fareed. The new book is Overcoming the COVID Darkness, How Two Doctors Successfully Treated 7,000 Patients. And I know a number of good doctors here in our area in Central Virginia who were trying to prescribe these medications and take care of their patients. Many of them were concerned over losing their licenses, over being decertified by the state board. This is outrageous. Have you ever seen anything like this in your entire medical career? And to what do you attribute this seemingly irrational behavior? You know, that's very disturbing. And we, we've come under fire. I, I did in particular, as did Brian, my partner early on and I treated an outbreak in, an, in our, nur- our local nursing home in June of 2020 at the uh, early part of the pandemic. Uh, we had 95% recovery with the regimen that we used, but the local county health officer said that I might be taken in front of the medical board for prescribing and utilizing medications that weren't, ex- weren't safe or approved. Mm-hmm. That, that was a time when 90% of nursing home patients were dying in other mm-hmm. locations if they weren't treated. We still are under fire and uh, we're, we're getting investigated. We were just called by the state investigators for um, opening cases against Brian and myself for misinformation of some sort. Mm-hmm. I have to contend with that, but it's frightening actually. And it comes from the powers of entities that uh, didn't want to see another a story going on. Anything you do that counters that, if you're in the target, if you're in near the bullseye, which we were and are, uh, we have to be beaten down in some way. You spend some time in the book talking about attempts to discredit you, and particularly there was an interaction with a Dr. Jha. 
and I'm sure there were others along the way, but it made no sense. Uh, the, the person coming with virtually no background and no experience in the way that you had it was attempting to undermine all of the information you were presenting. How did you handle that? Being polite and not um, getting into a um, some sort of a bitter dispute. I, this was uh, after and during and after a uh, the Senate hearing on early treatment in November of 2020 that I participated in, uh, invited uh, by Senator Ron Johnson to Washington, along with Peter McCullough, our leader in the United States, and Harvey Reich, a professor of epidemiology from Yale. And we, we presented, and I presented there, uh, what Brian and I had accomplished and saw, and uh, and Peter and, and Harvey presented in addition a lot of great information that was very supportive of early treatment, and particularly with hydroxychloroquine. And Jaw was the minority witness. He's a uh, at that time the dean of public health at Brown University. He never addressed early treatment as such in his presentation, and uh, the it, Dr. Senator Peters and asked him questions. And John just talked about the this these things like the retracted Lancet paper, not specifically that, but other studies that were flawed studies. On, on hydroxychloroquine in particular, and uh, just wouldn't uh, come around to agreeing with and engaging us in any type of dialogue. I eventually asked him if he saw patients with COVID and he admitted that he didn't treat COVID-19 himself. And then uh, two days or three days later, he published an article, an op-ed in the New York Times calling me and McCullough and Harvey Reich snake, snake oil salesmen. Mm the Senate and uh, just again disputing our position on on this treatment and then uh, now he's the czar in the White House of COVID-19 he, he was a, he's the man there taking uh, charge of what the Biden administration does for COVID-19 and he, he'll take the position of supporting early treatment with these EUA uh, agents like Paxlovid or Molnupiravir, or even they, they've given an EUA to IV remdesivir as an outpatient. And they, it's the FDA now calls for treatment in the first three to five days with these agents, but they give no con credence or consideration of the repurposed medications that we used to save so many lives during the, the heart of the pandemic. We live here in Virginia in a right to try state, quote unquote, and yet people were still having trouble. From a physician's point of view, Dr. Farid, um, have you heard of other right to try states and did those laws supersede some of these uh, elements who were trying to suppress the distribution of these medications? I, yeah, I've heard of uh, other right to try uh, states or physicians, uh, at least uh, I applaud that. we. They didn't make much difference though, yeah. at all, unfortunately. Once the brainwashing of the medical establishment had occurred in the nationally and internationally in the Western countries, um, there there was a acceptance by the the majority of doctors, and unfortunately, and, and particularly in academic institutions. I think I I look back on this, and I think I'm very lucky that I didn't stay in academia and stay in an urban environment where they would definitely come, have come after me and uh, stopped what I was uh, employing or utilizing 
throughout the pandemic. And I'm certain the 12,000 that you saved are grateful for that as well. Dr. Fareed, let's talk somewhat about the vaccine uh, developed in a very short time frame, much shorter than previous vaccines, not a lot of testing, emergency uh, use authorization. You mentioned that you took it. What can we say in hindsight about this vaccine and the development and deployment? Well, I, I think that, that it has been a very bad and flawed uh, program pursuing in this new technology of gene therapy for creating immunity or herd immunity in that it's not been properly studied and uh, tested uh, on a long-term basis. It's rushed through and if it had achieved herd immunity or blocked the infection, it would have been great. Uh, and I took it in December of 2020 at the beginning, the very beginning of its rollout, because I felt that it might protect me, it would help and pre- prevent me from transmitting the uh, the infection if I contracted it. And I didn't realize that I think about it critically and that even the, at that time, the vaccine was only 95% effective in blocking the infection. In a, in a pandemic, a vaccine has to be 100% blocking and what we've seen is that it's far lower than that. If anything, the further that you get immunized, the boosters that are added on to the original immunizations, or injections of those gene therapies, uh, makes one more susceptible to the virus. They facilitate, create a facilitation of the infection. So it does. It's a negative. It, just in that, I, I would uh, I would say it's 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 not appropriate to continue this um, pr- approach with these agents. The other aspect is the adverse reactions to yes. these gene therapies. So that, assuming there were no adverse reactions, even if it didn't, uh, it, it caused adverse reactions, deaths and. Uh, injuries to major organs in a small fraction, but a significant number of individuals, uh, it, it would have been something that wasn't appropriate because it selects for mutants it's, it, 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 by not being a blocking uh, vaccine, not be creating sterilizing immunity. And that's there's a cardinal rule that has been scientifically verified that one never immunizes in a pandemic of any type of virus if, if it isn't a sterilizing vaccine. And they won't admit that. They won't even uh, discuss that. Well, that's the frightening part. And I think that goes to, to the whole disinformation campaign. And of course, the people who were attacking you, uh, Dr. Freed, uh, Dr. Tyson, uh, Dr. McCullough, uh, Dr. Malone, and the rest of them, they're saying that you are spreading disinformation when in fact, it's entirely the opposite of that. Yeah, exactly. That's so true. I, I'm just a rural family doctor. I'm not at the um, status uh, stature of Malone and McCullough and Reich and some of many of the others that are out there that you're referring to that uh, have been besmirched. Um, I went to Harvard. Harvard's uh, logo is, is um, Veritas. Uh-huh. Our truth, and that's how Brian and I sign our book. We sign Veritas and our names and date it. We just have to keep going and fighting, and uh, that's uh, I do whatever I can, and that's what I hope to do in Brazil at the end of the week, when when I'll be speaking about um, the topic is um, 
science, evidence, and process. Uh, that, and that's I'm going to rehash uh, the pandemic under those in that uh, context of the science, the evidence that was there, and the lack of process, the lack of dialectic, the lack of actually being able to debate with these people uh, concerning the truth. And that's I'm glad you bring that up. Dr. George Freed, if people would like to get a copy of your book, Overcoming the COVID Darkness, How Two Doctors Successfully Treated 7,000 Patients, how can they get the book? Well, they, they certainly can get it at Amazon, uh, the uh, an Amazon book, uh, a paperback or hard co- copy or Kindle and Audible. We put uh, really worked hard on, on the book and getting it out in all formats. Uh, it, it can be obtained at our website uh, that I, we've worked very hard on. It's, it's overcomingcoviddarkness.com, overcomingcoviddarkness.com. And uh, we have it, it's translated now in Spanish and German. And we hope to, we're, we're working on a Portuguese translation of the book also. So we were trying to get it um, seen and appreciated and understood through throughout the world. It's wonderful work you've done, and the book is exceptional. Dr. George Fareed, thank you so much for joining us today on the Schilling Show Unleashed podcast. I appreciate it, Rob, and good luck to you. Stay well. That concludes another edition of the Schilling Show Unleashed podcast. Visit us online at shillingshow.com where you can directly support this podcast by clicking on the Patreon banner at the top of the page and making a monthly donation. Your support is essential for the continuation of the Shilling Show Unleashed podcast. Until next time.